welcome back to Praiseworthy with Mary and Eddie. We are so excited to be back. It has been how long? I don't know, a long time. <laughs> it's been like a year, maybe. Yeah. So I know a lot of you who listen follow us, but I know a lot of you don't really know, you know, you don't maybe stay up to date with us, possibly. And so um those who have been listening, um, you know, in the past know about Eddie's brain cancer and Unfortunately, his tumor did start. Yeah, last year it started growing again. And so I had to go through radiation treatments again earlier in this year. And I've been dealing with life after that. So yeah, it's been um, about a year, yeah, since we recorded something. So we're glad to be back. And we're so glad to be back. And we are so grateful for all the support from so many people we haven't even met and people we know who are just so wonderful and supportive to our family. We know people who, again, like we don't know who pray for us and um, always sending well wishes. And those who do know us, we're so grateful for all of you and for your well wishes and your support. We're just so, so grateful. We're grateful that Eddie's still with us. Yep. He's amazing. He's a superhero. I'm still here. He's still here beating all the odds. It's amazing. So, okay, so we are really excited for this episode. So um, today we're going to be talking with Kate Hicken. Kate, can you hear us? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Kate. Okay, Hi. so just so everyone knows, I have um, gotten connected or became connected with Kate through our, we both have um, design accounts on Instagram. And, um, I, when I first came across her account, I was blown away. Kate, you're so talented. Your home is so beautiful. (laughs) And I just was like, she's just so talented. And then like, you know, just kind of getting to know her through comments and DMS. She's just as a wonderful person and so kind. And you can just feel her light, just like seeing her post and seeing her talk. She's so wonderful. And she was, Kate, you were so wonderful to reach out when you found out about Praiseworthy and being so willing to share um, your story. But before we get started, I just want to introduce Kate a little bit so everyone can get to know her more. So she is um, a Southern California mom of two, which is so fun because we used to live in SoCal for, was it a decade? About a decade. Um, And she is married to a cop and also a business owner. Um, And she's also a former realtor turned wannabe interior designer and cake (laughs) She like, no, seriously, everyone. And we will be sharing all of her social media um, tags. Is that the right? I don't know why. Um, So that you can check out her work because she's not a wannabe. She like literally, (laughs) she's so, you are so good. And a cake maker. I love that so much. And she's just navigating through life um, with, you know, through her faith and through healing and exercise and through serving others and just, you know, being her mommy self. So we love that so much. Kate, we're so excited to have you. And thank you. um, Just so all the guests know, um, we try to talk to our, or not the guests, our listeners, we try to talk to our guests before we record just so that we can get to know them more and so that they can get to know us. And it gives us a chance to hear their story. And um, having been able to talk to Kate recently, 
Um, her story is incredibly beautiful and, and inspiring. Um, the way that she's been able to pull through some really um, challenging years in her life. Um, I'm to listen to her share. And um, so just to kind of give a quick beginning, um, she is going to be talking about um, narcissism and what it is like being a daughter um, of a father who is narcissistic. And Kate, it was so interesting hearing you describe narcissism because while I know what it is, hearing someone describe it in such detail who has lived through it was so eye-opening. I was really grateful to to hear that. So do you want to define what narcissism is? Yes. So I will give you um, the 10 signs of a narcissist um, be more black and white rather than, well, my dad was this and this and this. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, this is according to health.com. So I'll just go ahead and list them. Perfect. So it says um, they like to be the center of attention. They have a habit of giving unsolicited, unsolicited advice. They detest waiting in line. Their ambition knows no bounds. They know how to turn on the charm. They are competitive. They are famous for holding grudges. They never see things as their fault. They take advantage of people. And they crave high levels of self-esteem and self-worth. Mm. And a lot of those go much more in depth, but those are just like the surface things because someone might be listening and think, oh, well, I hate waiting in line. No, 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 no. It's much more than that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all of that. So do you want to just jump into, you know, your story and, um, just what it was like to live with a father who has, who was a narcissist. Okay. Um, well, growing up, I didn't know any different, you know, um, I knew my dad was hard on us and he liked things. He liked things a certain way. Um, and he didn't back down on things. And I thought that's just the way it was and that it was normal to grow up that way. Yeah. Um, and then after reconnecting with my half sister, who is his daughter from his first marriage, um, you know, a couple years ago, yeah. uh, she, she said the same thing. Yeah. Dad was just, he was different. And, and I told her, I said, well, you know, he's a narcissist. And then she looked up the different signs of narcissism. And then she came back to me and said, it all makes sense now. We're finally oh, able wow. to like pinpoint what was different. Right. Wow. So, but, um, uh, you know, it was all about him, everything. And, uh, just, he always, he wanted this spotlight and he wanted, um, everyone to just follow along and, yeah. uh, you had mentioned that he was like very manipulative and very controlling. So right. what ways did you see that, those things? Um, well, just like because it, everything had to be, you know, his way, everything, everything. Wow. And there was no give and take um, or meeting halfway or anything like that. It was 
strictly what he wanted. And, you know, I come from a big family. There's, you know, we joke that there's like three groups of kids because we're all spread out so far in age. Yeah. <laughs> he had three kids from his first marriage and then he married my mom and had uh, myself and my brother. And then years later, um, my three youngest siblings were adopted. So it was like, we were all spread out in age. Right. But he would brag about having eight children and like, look at me, look at me. I have all these children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, which is fine. You know, it's fine if you're proud of them Yeah, and you want to boast about them, but he didn't brag about having eight children for that reason. Yeah. It was more okay. look at me. I've done, I've had eight children t- type of thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. That's hard. So, and, um, you know, I learning more about narcissists, um, and, you know, having a parent that's a narcissist. Um, I've read that they have, they usually have a golden child and they have a scapegoat child. That's so interesting. I remember you mentioning that. Right. The golden child can do no wrong. They are the ones put on a pedestal and the scapegoat child can do no right. They are always messing up. They are always failing. And Hmm. I was the golden child. And, um, you know, my husband says it this way. I always just went with the plan. I just followed along. Mm. But I wanted to be obedient. And I, in my nature, I just want to be obedient and good and listen and obey my parents. And so that's what I felt like I was doing for almost my entire life. Wow. Was there, um, (laughs) excuse me, did you feel um, scared almost to, you know, I mean, obviously you are obedient and, you know, wanting to obey your parents and, you know, in particular your dad. Was there, were you kind of scared at all just because of what you were seeing? I know, you know, you said you were little and so you just didn't know any other way. Um, but I'm curious if you felt scared at all. Oh, very much so. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I was obedient because it was just easier to oh. just not disobey because I saw what happened to my siblings that stood up for themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if, and if I were to think about, um, a scapegoat child, I can't pinpoint it because anyone that disobeyed him or stood up for themselves could be considered a, a scapegoat because how dare anyone stand up to him? Yeah. So, well, Oh, sorry. Goes, Go on. oh, I'm sorry. That goes beyond just not obeying your father. It's, it's not like a respect thing, you know, when our kids talk back and that kind of thing, it's much, it was much more severe if we were to stand up for ourselves or disobey. It just yeah. was. Oh my goodness. Well, and I, I remember also when we spoke before, um, you had mentioned, um, sports, and yeah. that you and your siblings had to sneak around to yes, like to actually play sports. Do you want to right. talk about that for a minute? That's so right, crazy. right. So when he was growing up, he um, my dad, 
he didn't play sports. And I don't know if it was because he wasn't good at it. Um, he made it seem like he wasn't able to play sports because he spent his after school time at his dad's furniture store. And so mm -hmm. he resented the fact that sports, I guess, existed. And growing up, we were not allowed to have sports on the TV. N wasn't a topic to talk about. Wow. And, you know, naturally kids want to play sports and they should. It's so good for kids. Yeah. And um, we weren't able to do that. But, you know, my mom wanted us to have as nice of a childhood as possible. So we had to sneak around, you know, mm -hmm. my brother played soccer and football and, and wrestled and I did track. That was the only sport I was good at. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we had to sneak around because it was just easier than to have the wrath. Wow. Of standing so up hard. to him about that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, something that, you know, I definitely want all the listeners to know is that we're not talking about, you know, normal parents and their worries for their kids and everything that yeah. this is definitely something beyond, you know, it, it's not a this normal. Extreme. Yeah, this is an extreme, extreme. thing. Yeah. Um, would you call this like maybe a mental health issue that he had or would you say that it was just a personality issue? Um, well, in my research, um, I came across something from Johns Hopkins, and it says that narcissism is a personality disorder and that it is treatable. Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness. Wow. Right. That's so interesting. I wonder how they go about treating that, if it's through the sure therapy it's or if it's medication or both, you know. Uh, right. Either or or both. Either or. Okay. Mm -hmm. oh, so interesting. Um, okay. So back you know, when you were talking about sports. So, um, did your, so your dad never found out or did he ever like, no, ever, wow. That's a, no amazing. Gosh. Yeah, no. And he did support me when I was doing track, but that's kind of not in my opinion. I don't feel like it's a sports sport, like where, you know, balls are being thrown or that kind of thing, you know, you're yeah. just running. Yeah. And so I did, track for one year and then I was maybe halfway through my second year and he had to pick me up from school later like I didn't take the bus home he had to pick me up and I remember him basically saying enough is enough I'm tired of picking you up after school you just need to take the bus so that was it I couldn't continue my track season oh my and because it was an inconvenience for him right oh. and he had always talked taught you don't quit you know if you start something you have to finish it and so right there when I was in 10th grade I realized he just really contradicted himself like what is it yeah I'm allowed to quit if it's an inconvenience for someone right. what right. is this yeah oh that must have been so, so hard for you yeah it wasn't fun you know I don't even remember what I told my friends <laughs> well yeah honest. I mean that's so true because all of a sudden you're not on the track team and so your friends are like what What's, right. Yeah, that must have been so hard. Right. Oh, goodness. Okay, so I have um, – is it okay if I ask a question or did you sure. want to oh, – Okay, sure. 
So you had mentioned reconnecting with your half sister. Yes. Um, I love that so much. Do you want to talk about how that was and just, you know, how you guys were able to just really bond with what you both grew up with and what you saw? Right. Um, Yeah. So she is eight years older than I am. And like I'd mentioned, she is from his first marriage. I'm from his second. Mm -hmm. And when I was eight, she was 16 and she came to live with us for less than a year. And she, you know, was a troubled teen Mm -hmm. and like anyone would be if they were his daughter. And so she had problems. She had difficulties and yeah, rightfully so really. And we Mm -hmm. weren't able to get to know each other that well. She was not happy about living in our house with him. And oh, wow. Yeah, she eventually went to a school um, kind of in the middle of nowhere in Utah. And she got her diploma and moved back to where her mom lived in Northern California. And so that was basically it. I was probably wow. nine the last time I saw her. And then we talked on the phone and I think exchanged a couple of letters when I started college. And that was that. Wow. That was all of our relationship. Wow. So, you know, as a, as a young girl, I would imagine what things would be like having an older sister. And I had one, but not a relationship with her. And in the summer of 2020, she messaged me on Facebook And I told her I'd like to talk. And so she called me that night and I, oh, I was so nervous. Oh, I'm sure. Basically, this was a stranger to me. And she only knew me as an eight or nine-year-old. Wow. You know, that's, you know, and then a couple of conversations when I was maybe 19. Yeah. So um, we, we talked and that's when we had our conversation about, well, you know, dad's a narcissist. And then, she, you know, that explained yeah. a lot for her. And, you know, we both had trauma from being his daughter. Yeah. And, you know, because we grew up in a world where we should be daddy's little girl and have a good relationship with our fathers and feel protected by our fathers. And we didn't have that. And that was missing, you know, yep. not just that he was missing, but that there was trauma because of him. Yeah. Um, so we continued to talk and then it, that was in 2020. So we waited a little while to get together in person until the next year. And it was so surreal reuniting with her. And we talked about how it was growing up you know, when we were children and we were sharing our experiences with each other that were so different, but similar. Yeah. And she told me things that I never knew and vice versa. And well, this is how it was for our family and my mom and, and that kind of thing. And we were able to say things that only that information could only come from each other and the things we're able to say and share 
were so healing for the other sister. Wow. Oh, that's so beautiful. My goodness. You probably felt like you weren't alone in the world. Right. 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 And even though we didn't really grow up together and, you know, we grew up with, you know, in different households, it, we had that similarity and it was such a strong bond, even though we didn't know each other very well growing up at all. Wow. Isn't that so interesting how, um, yeah, you guys barely knew each other, but such like this awful thing is what brought you guys together and just sharing each other's experiences with it. Right. Beautiful. And that's being vulnerable. I mean, that's what maturity is all about is encouraging others to be vulnerable and share their story and how they have gotten through hard times and who has been a part of that. And that takes courage. I mean, that's not an always an easy thing to do, but, um, the fact that you and your sister were able to do that together. I'm sorry. Um, and rarely like, again, like you didn't, barely knew each other that's beautiful that is very inspiring yeah what advice would you give to maybe a child who feels like they're in a similar situation or who maybe feels like you did as a child well growing up and really almost until all of my life until I was 30 when I had my falling out I guess you could say with my dad Um, I thought I wasn't good enough. I thought I try, I try, I try. I get really good grades in school. I am obedient. I always go above and beyond with chores and help however I can, but it still wasn't good enough. And children need to be praised and need to have love shown towards them. And, and I did, it wasn't, it wasn't that, I mean, I knew my parents loved me, but I also craved some, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess praise. Like praise. Yeah. So, you know, something that, um, I've just, I've discovered and realized was, that it wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It was just that um, the issue wasn't lying with me. It was with him. And when I realized that, I had a huge sense of relief because I had tried my whole life to be good enough and to feel deserving and worthy. And it never seemed to be enough until I did everything possibly you could imagine. And it still wasn't enough. I thought, no, this isn't, this isn't right. (laughs) Yeah. I know it's not me. Right. It's him. And I was able to, you know, quote, consider the source and Mm -hmm. disregard all of that negativity that I had heard um, my life that I was you know, this and that, you know, and I could 
put away that emotional abuse that I had heard throughout my life yeah. because I was able to consider the source. And I knew deep in my soul that that stuff that I had heard from him, that emotional abuse was not true. I love that. Not- Gosh, and how powerful is that, that you, yeah, you came to that, you know, considering the source, like you said, I mean, that's huge. There's probably so many who adults or, you know, kids who like you, you know, felt like, feel like it's them and maybe still feel like it's them. And so that's, that's beautiful that you were able to get to that conclusion that it's it's him, that it's not you. Right. Well, and you know, when I was a child, my dad did not have a relationship with his dad. And my dad's dad, he lived less than an hour from us. And he died when I was almost 10 years old. And I thought, why, why doesn't he want to get to know us? Like, am I not good enough? What is going on? everyone else has a grandpa. Why can't I? Right. And because I don't have my dad in involved in my family's life, mm-hmm. I tell my children, well, my son is six, so he's old enough to understand. He's just barely old enough. Yeah. I tell him, I don't want you to be around him. He's not a nice man because I don't want my son ever growing up to feel like he wasn't good enough. How come grandpa didn't want to right. get me? I want, I, I do this for his protection and I let him know you don't want to be around him. Right. Of course. Well, and I think that's, I think that's probably wise to be so open about it right away. Right. Like you said, so it, so there isn't any questions on your son's part. Right. With, you know, what you experience, like, am I, why doesn't he want to see me? Why am I not good enough? So I think that's right. actually really smart. I can, um, I feel like we, I mean, obviously we can't relate completely, but we can relate in a, in a different way with our kids and just the situation our family has been in with, um, you know, Eddie's cancer. Um, and, and again, I guess it does depend on the family and what they feel is best on how to talk to their kids about, you know, serious things. But like with our children, so our little Molly, she just turned seven. So she's close to your son's age. Yes. Yes. So fun. Um, but we have always tried to be as open as we can be, would you say from your initial, I mean, maybe not your initial diagnosis because little Eddie was just three, (laughs) but um, you know, as they've gotten older and they understand things more and they see, you know, if daddy's not feeling good, um, we're very open with just the reality of what his cancer is and what could come of it, but, um, that there's always hope and, you know, yeah, we always try to at least, you know, give them a normal life and like, not let it, I don't know what the right word is. Not let it like control their every worry or thought. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's definitely harder for me to be, you know, the normal dad, like, especially with physical um, activities, but I still try to be involved in their lives and do what I can with them and, 
still try to be there for them. Yeah. And, and our, and the kids see that our kids definitely, again, just with what we're saying, like, I think it's so good to just be as open as you can with the kids Mm -hmm. so that, yeah, there's no questions. So I love, I love that you're doing that. And how does he respond? I'm curious. Oh, you know, he's a six-year-old boy. So (laughs) he says, you know, well, I, I would hit him for you or something. And I'm like, no, no, don't do that. No, you won't even see him. So you don't have to worry about that. But he's trying to be, you know, my protector. And of course, he means well. Of course. Absolutely. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So here's another question that I have for you. Okay. What's some advice that you would give a parent Mm. who maybe has those tendencies? And what would you say to them? to encourage them to maybe seek the help that they need. Okay. Well, I think a lot of narcissists don't realize that they might have this issue and they're in denial. Um, You know, one of the, the traits of a narcissist is not blaming yourself. It's like they can't take any blame. They have to blame others. Um, But Mm. Hopefully, if they are able to see that in themselves, like I was telling Mary, I believe it or not, I have some of those same tendencies and I do not like that about myself, but I'm, I'm able to recognize it because it was so obvious with my dad Yeah, and I have sought out therapy and medication and I, all I want to do is be a really good mom. That's all I want to do because I really want my children to have everything I wish I could have had. And I mean, I, I had the best mom. I have the best mom that she's an angel. She's an angel, but I wish that I had, uh, you know, a nicer father. Yeah. And so, um, Definitely seek therapy and there's no weakness in seeking out therapy. I know there could be a stigma. Some people might think that I don't think there's anything wrong with taking care of your mental health. There's something wrong with not taking care of your mental health. Yeah. And right. And if medication helps, then by so be it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And right. And also talking to others, you know, that's another form of therapy, talking with friends and family and seeking out help and support. And when you're feeling strong and wise, then help others too. Um, I love that so, so much. But Eddie, did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I did. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. You did for sure. But yeah, also I- just... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Eddie. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think that it speaks volumes that you wanted to break the cycle. And right. yeah. I think that that's huge. I think about Mary and in her family, um, they had kind of a similar situation and her mom was able to break that cycle with her family. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely see the value in wanting to, help yourself get better and do what is needed to help those who come after you. Yeah. It's beautiful. And just, 
I love that you are in contact with your sister and you guys have formed that special bond. I just think that's so beautiful because you're helping each other. Right. It has been one of the greatest blessings of my life. I love that. And I, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, growing up, you know, when she was a teenager living with us, I was afraid of her. She was a scary teenage punk rocker girl, you know, (laughs) and I have told her that, you know, you were scary. You were like the all black wearing black nail polish (laughs) wearing, you know, I, this, I'm this like little eight-year-old girl. (laughs) Um, she listened to like the punk rock music and, you know, she just looked intimidating to others, even though she was always, of course, really nice to me, but she just was very different. And, um, and I totally forgot what I was, um, well, I, well, no, I, I think I know what you're (laughs) going to say, well, tell me if I'm right. Just like, here is this, yeah, sister that you had. And like, you were like, oh my gosh, like I'm so little. And like, this is how she was. And it's like so intimidating. But then now years later, you're seeing her in this completely different light. Is that what maybe? Right. Right. Yeah. And we, we, like I said, we were able to say things that the other person was able to share. Like for instance, she felt, you know, because she was a difficult teenager that our dad didn't want to have a relationship with her because she was just so difficult and he couldn't, you know, reach her. And, um, you know, I was able to explain to her, it wasn't you, it was him. There was nothing that, you know, of course she was a troubled teen. She had a very difficult situation she was in, but it was him because I saw that with all these other relationships that he had. Hmm. So I know it wasn't her. Right. And that was healing for her to know from my, from my point of view, from my perspective, because I saw so much of it. Yeah. Wow. And do you talk to her still like on a regular basis? Oh yeah. Oh, I love that. Very much. Yes. Very much. And I have two nieces and I love them and the cousins are getting to know each other. And, you know, what I was going to say was when I, when I, oh, it keeps losing coming out of my mind, but, um, that's okay. What I was thinking about was, oh my gosh, I keep losing it. That's okay. (laughs) With your sister. Is that what you're? Yes. Um, okay. So for the longest time, you know, when I got married, I didn't invite her to the wedding. I don't even know if I thought to invite her to the wedding because she was so not a part of my life. Right. And I think, you know, having the experience, I think it was in 2018 when when I had my falling out with my dad, Mm -hmm. it humbled me to my core. And I felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath me because all of a sudden, because I told my dad that he couldn't talk to me that way any longer, I was now considered like the enemy and I wasn't welcome into their home. Mm. And I, it just shook my world. Yeah. 
Of course. And I feel like if I hadn't been humbled by that whole experience and the years following, then I wouldn't have been so apt to accept her reach out when she reached out to me in 2020. Wow. That's such a beautiful way to look at that. Yeah. Sometimes bad experiences end up producing good results. Right. Yeah. I've definitely seen that through my cancer, you know, like as it turns out, having brain cancer is even less desirable than advertised. (laughs) (laughs) But I've also been able to see some good that's come of it despite it being an incredibly difficult situation. Yep. And I'll, and I, I'll add as well, just with, um, you know, our sweet McKaylee who passed away, she obviously we would give anything to have her here with us physically. We would give anything, but like Eddie's cancer, the things we have seen come from her passing, um, as far as like, connections made with people who are going through the same thing, or they know someone who's going through, you know, a similar loss or, um, the, you know, tender experiences we've had that has, you know, brought us even more closer to God and our savior. Um, just so many things we can't help, but, you know, see it in a different perspective and, and in beautiful ways, which maybe some people listening may think that's so weird to say, but. um, Yeah. God can take the worst situation and make something beautiful come from it. mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, it's happened with you. It's just so beautiful. Have you, um, okay. I'm going to ask you kind of a difficult question. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Ready? Yes. (laughs) Um, and again, if you, when I ask, if you're like, um, I don't know, then that <laughs> obviously is your answer. But okay, um, if your dad ever reached out, it, let's say years from now, or even months from now, who knows if he ever reached out, just like wanting to talk to you, what do you know what you would do? Or is it too early to even go there? Well, I'm just curious. Well, he wouldn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But if he did, like he did a little over a year ago. Oh, interesting. Okay. It was to, well, I'll tell you this. Okay. I'll tell you the backstory. So my father-in-law was the best man ever. Mm-hmm. And our relationship had never been better. Um, but then he passed away in an accident a year and a half ago. And I so felt like far. I finally had a father and he was the best. Like yeah. everyone worshiped him. He was the best and he was our world and he died. And two months after he died, I heard from my dad and I thought wow. he's finally going to give his condolences And he did it. He called me and he said, well, your mom and I are moving out of state, so we should probably get together and, um, you know, squash this beef we have. (laughs) 
Oh, and goodness. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a beef. I was, yeah, <laughs> right. Not at all the terms I would <clears throat> describe it. Right. And I was so shocked and I just said, okay, I'll, I'll let you know. And I thought about it and I thought about it and I talked with maybe 10 people and I thought, what should I do? What does this mean? And you know, I just thought, what in the world? I prayed about it and I thought, I felt rushed. I felt rushed and the urgency of them moving. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was now or never and I needed to sit down. And I don't know. It, it was just weird. Someone that couldn't ever take blame for anything. Yeah. And made it sound like it was a beef that we had, that we were both to blame for it when it was not at all that way. Right. Um, just made me really question it. And I thought one day I was out and I had a babysitter. I was at a work, a work appointment mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, I'm going to go drive by the cemetery by where my father-in-law is mm. and I'll just sit and talk. And I've never yeah. done that before. I just really wanted to know what his insight would be. I knew he would have great wisdom. Yeah, He was no longer here, but I just wanted to sit there and just kind of hash out my feelings and see where I felt, you know, where I was at with all of this. And I just had this very distinct feeling to stay away. Wow. Like for my protection. Oh my goodness. And I just thought, okay, I have a very strong feeling and that's what I'm going to do. Wow. And so I did. I stayed away. And then it hit me later on that my dad was reaching out to me because he wanted me to sell his house. Oh, my goodness. Because I was a realtor. Because you were a realtor, yeah. Yeah, and to save him money. Oh, my goodness. Because, wow. Because he would expect me to do it for free. Right. So then, and I, I thought that, and I thought that is exactly why he called. And that's why he said the things he said. And that's why he wanted me to come to his house without the kids. Yeah. It just was very obvious. Like on his terms. It was yes. Yeah. Yes. And I thought, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I never called him back. I never did. Wow. Yeah. My so. goodness. So you feel like your sweet father-in-law has prevented. Yes. Even more much. heartache, even more. Right. You know, explode. You're not explosion, but meaning like, yeah, complications. Right. Yeah. Right. It's for my oh, safety, wow. for my well-being. Exactly. Just yep. to stay away because if I was in that position, if I was in their house and he started asking me what they should do to sell it. I yeah. would have been so blindsided and then we'd have another, you know, a whole other, it would just open a can of worms again. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Add another layer to the heartache and to the right. hardship. Right. Right. And I already felt like I was, I was good. I got to that point where I felt like, especially after reuniting with my sister, I felt I am so glad that he is not in my life because I don't see any good that comes from him. Yeah. It's all just so much negativity. So much. Do you feel like you've forgiven your father? Uh, you know, that's a hard one. I, yeah, I feel like mostly 
I don't really, probably mostly I have forgiven him for his treatment of me, but I have not forgiven him for the treatment of my mother. Right. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. Oh, I just can't even imagine. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's, it's a hard, you know, place to be in because, you know, we're taught to forgive. We're taught to pray for our enemies and that's a really hard one for me. Yeah. Yep. I can understand that. Well, it's, you know, you are, there's no timetable. Right. And it's all, you know, we have eternity. We believe, uh, and, you know, we all, we believe we have eternity to, right. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's beautiful that you've even, you know, you you said, you know, mostly for, is that what you said? Forgive right. him for how he treated you. I mean, that's right. That's, that's huge. huge, Kate. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. Because I think that is hard. That would be hard for many people to even get to that point. So that's huge. And you're amazing. The compassion you have for your mother is the reason why it's so hard to forgive him on that front. Yeah. And so I, so. Mm-hmm. I don't see that as being a negative. No, not at all. Um, well, we are kind of coming to, um, the end of this episode, but I wanted to ask you really quick about a book. You had mentioned a book, um, when we spoke previously, do you want to like quickly, like give the title of it or just, you know, what it's about? Right. (laughs) So my, my sister came across this book and I found it on Amazon after she had told me about it and it's called healing the adult children of narcissists. Mm. And I started reading like maybe the first 20 pages and I thought this book is just explaining my life. It was so on point. And you know, I've only experienced having a narcissistic, narcissistic father, not a narcissistic mother. So I can't speak to that. Um, But the stories and the excerpts from people um, were so, it was just my life. And it was so nice knowing that there's a community out there that struggles with this. I mean, knowing that I'm not the only one, not that other people are struggling, but knowing that this is actually a thing. Right. Oh yeah. And it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. That's how I have taken all of this. It's, I mean, this is a natural thing people struggle with in their, and I imagine it's kind of like, as I've had new symptoms come up and everything and I tell them to the doctor and they say, Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense because of the location of your tumor. And it's like a little sense of relief, at least, knowing that, like... It's validating. It's validating, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so that must be so validating for you to know there are, there, there are other people who have dealt with this. <laughs> right, right. And to know that other people have gotten through it. I yes. feel like, you know, I, I, I feel like I've gotten through it. I'm at a place where I can talk about it and not cry. Because for a long time, every time a friend, there was a while, there was a period of time where 
I would be in a social setting and a friend would say, oh yeah, my um, dad helped us fix this at the house or, oh, we're going to my parents' house for dinner or just something so like surface would really get me. Yeah. And there, and then following that time period, I felt like maybe I'll just avoid people because I'm tired of them talking about their parents mm-hmm. because it's so mm-hmm. painful for me. Yeah. Because I wasn't welcome in my parents' home. <laughs> yes. You know, oh and, and for not doing anything wrong. Right. And I learned also, I mean, I just realized that I knew I hadn't done anything wrong. I stood up for myself. I stood up for my son. I stood up for my mother. And the door was slammed in my face. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And I just, I knew I had done the right thing. Wow for myself and my family and for our well-being. And then there wasn't any reason to continue on another decade of being obedient to this kind of behavior. Right. Right. Wow. Well, thank you so much. You're amazing. We've really enjoyed talking with you and thank you for sharing your insights. I know that there's going to be people who have had similar experiences and now their world is going to feel a little bit, a little bit bigger. Yeah. And so thank you for being vulnerable that. and sharing your experiences. Of course. You are so sweet. I am just like a, and all of your willingness to, like you had said, you know, forgive him for how he treated you and to, you know, keep that bond with your sister and be so open with her because it's brought her healing. And, um, but also just like Eddie said, just being so vulnerable with, did you say that you Mm -hmm. mentioned being vulnerable with us and our listeners. And I am excited to share this. I think this is really going to touch so many people. Yeah. I think it's a very, I think it's a lot more common than we probably think it is. I think so. Mm-hmm. And well, I think it's also eye-opening for us as parents to think, oh, am I, <laughs> am I doing that with my children? Maybe right. I take a second look at how I'm treating them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and I really feel like in life, we go through things that are hard so that we can be humbled and also so that we can you know, get to the other side and help others. Yeah. Absolutely. There's this quote that I love from Dr. Seuss of all people. And, um, and it says, when something bad happens, you have three choices. You can either let it define you, let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. Mm, I love that. And we have the choice. We have the choice to, you know, that's agency is a beautiful gift and when things that are hard come our way, we can let it define us, destroy us, or strengthen us. And then once we are on the other side, then it's our time to help others. Absolutely. I love that so much. You just literally nailed our whole, <laughs> our whole mission. You just wrapped it all up you and just... put a beautiful bow on it. <laughs> yeah, that was so beautiful. Kate, you are so wonderful. And Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share. Of course. Of so course. many personal things with us. And um, I'm going to um, 
make sure to post on um, when your episode airs on our website and on our social media. Um, I'm going, I'm going to post about that book. Okay. Um, great. And so that people know where to go to. And, and then to design account. yeah, and I'll for sure share all that. And then also um, your, um, the website you mentioned where you, or maybe it was articles you read of, you know, that helped you really learn about narcissism. Um, oh, right. Yeah. So I will make sure to share all of that because I know um, people are going to probably want more information on it and where they can look. And on our website, um, this is just for our listeners really quick. Um, our website, www.b-praiseworthy.com. Um, our goal for that is, um, you know, listeners can go and um, there's a search bar and they can type in something, whatever it is they might be struggling with or just want more information on. Um, and it'll bring up all of our episodes we have on that topic. And it'll, you know, the links are provided so that you can go and listen to that episode. And then we always give short little um, summaries about that episode with information. Um, like I just said, like we'll have the book there and websites if you want to share that. So anyway, I just wanted to remind our listeners of our website. So definitely a lot of info on that. But Kate, thank you so much again. You are so wonderful. And don't hang up. We're just going to close out real quick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening to our newest episode for Praiseworthy with Mary and Eddie. Mary and Eddie, we're so excited to be back. We are going to try and put out episodes. Monthly. Yeah. Months. At least monthly. Um, if there's a month we can do a couple, then we will for sure do for sure do that. But for right now, because of everything going on and with other things, um, I think we're going to try and do once a month. But we are so excited to be back. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye.